Hey guys, welcome back to the More Than Muscle podcast. This is season two, episode three, and I am your host, Matt Cooney. And today we are once again joined by Mr. Luke O'Mahony, who is the owner of Integrative Health. So Luke, how are you? How are you doing today? All good, Matt. All good. Not too bad. How are you? As you know, I'm just okay. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone, I'm like, what, four weeks out from photo shoot now? And um was going is going pretty smoothly, but this week was the first week I quote unquote felt it and yeah. brought back memories of my bodybuilding prep in like 2018. But look, we're we're here and we're still going, so that's good. Yeah, we've more food going in tomorrow with you, grand. <laughs> yeah, so Luke, if I actually uh, my brain starts wandering off, you're just gonna have to take the reins here and <laughs> just shout at me or something like that. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So yeah, we have to get Luke back on after the last episode where we talked all about photo shoots. So that went down really, really well. Full disclaimer, haven't even released it yet, but I'm putting all my eggs in one basket here and I'm going to say it got a really, really good response. <laughs> so Luke, if it doesn't, I don't know, we'll maybe just have to bin this podcast. And We're all about manifestation we... here, We're all about manifestation. <laughs> just pretend we never actually had this conversation. Yeah, exactly. Edit it out. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> or I just make up fake reviews yeah, and said it's the best episode ever. Yeah. But today we are going to be talking about a nice, a juicy topic, if I do say so myself. We're going to be looking into kind of some different nutritional approaches and essentially kind of asking the question, what is the best approach? So when we talk about this, this is something, the reason for this is I just kind of see a lot online, especially when it comes to different approaches to your nutrition, that a lot of people are kind of in different camps. So you have people who are advocates of like meal plans. Then you have other people who will say, no, nobody should do a meal plan. You should be tracking calories. Then we have people that do IIFYM. So if it fits your macros. And I feel like there's not much out there that has actually had a proper kind of discussion about these. And just even for the everyday gym goer or fitness enthusiast, I think it can be quite confusing because you have the, these different people saying, definitely do this approach or no, you should do this. And like one is better than the other. And, you know, how can we know what's best for the person or even for people out there? How do you know what to, what to actually do? It can be quite confusing. So firstly, I suppose, just to get into it, Luke, if you want to kind of introduce the different approaches and what they actually are. So we, I know we kind of talk, we have kind of a spectrum on one side is our meal plans and the other is the IIFIM crowd. Yeah. So, I mean, like, we're, like I mean, like the way we laid out the, the layout for when we said we chat about this, I mean, there's as you said there's a spectrum of extremities of like one to the other with like nutrition like in terms of like when we speak about nutritional approaches I suppose what we're talking about is an implementation of principles so like we're not specifically talking about a means of achieving fat loss we're not specifically talking about a means of achieving muscle gain we're talking like we're not talking about like five two or don't like massively about intermittent fasting because you'd usually associate intermittent fasting with fat loss we're more so talking about the means of which you implement nutrition principles related to the goal and usually what you would find is it laid out as, as as we spoke about would be like on one side of like let's say complete beginner no nutrition literacy like um low level of knowledge 
you'd have meal plans because you need an implementation structure. So you, they need a meal plan that need guidance. They don't have that base of knowledge to make informed nutritional decisions themselves to come up with meal structure. Maybe it's even down to like cooking skills and awareness of like food composition. And then from there, you kind of delve into tracking macros. Um, and then in terms of tracking macros, you have, I suppose, a kind of a hybrid approach of like tracking macros with allowances maybe some guesstimations and then you could even branch out from that further but we won't we won't go too branching out from that because we probably might lose the context behind it and then from there you go into i suppose what would be classed as um flexible dieting and then from there you'd have a level up again which would be iifym now just a background into iifym for anyone who doesn't know you've all probably heard the is an acronym? Acronym, that's the word. IFOM. Um, it stands for If It Fits Your Macros. And where it actually started was on bodybuilding.com back in, I think, 2005, when in the forums, someone asked um, a question to do with macros and calories. And I can't remember who it was. Um, I think it was that guy who came up with intermittent fasting. I can't remember his name. But he answered the question and said, oh, if it fits your macros. And then someone just ran away with it. And since then, since like back 2005, you know, you, you see the people with like, people have made businesses from this, like, you know, like there's, there's a huge, um, that the macro coach in, in the US, like he generated a huge business from this and that, like, it was like, okay, so I can eat anything I want if it fits your macros. People just ran away with the concept, but that wasn't the original idea. It was, it's basically like, I mean, people think flexible dieting and IFM is the same thing. I would not view them as the same thing. I look at flexible dieting as in, like uh, that's like the ultimate goal is obviously flexible dieting, having food that we maybe perceive or label as higher process, more refined, or like maybe not as quote unquote clean, although we don't want to uh, say that terminology now. But um, IFOM, I would view as someone who just eats according to what they can fit their, their, their calories, their targets with, and, and they don't consider the, the composition of that food. So they're very different. So we have like on one side, this, uh, the spectrum with like meal plans, a step above that might be kind of tracking macros with a base of meal structure. A, spec, a, spec, a step above that then would be maybe tracking macros with an intuitive style approach. Then you might have flexible dieting. Then you have IFYM. And then on top of a whole lot of it, you have, which is a conversation an entirely different day, which is intuitive eating. So, I mean, there's like, there's almost like a stage process of like a continuum of like one leads into the other. Yeah, I had that in my, my head, even with intuitive eating. I was like, don't get into that because I'll go down a rabbit hole again. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose, yeah, with, with those approaches, your own kind of experience personally, have you kind of done a lot of them or? I've done, yeah, I mean, as I'm sure yourself, like, I mean, we both probably deployed like these, like these, these, this is where like, again, you, in your coaching toolbox, we say, what applies to the client? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. this is where, like you said, in the industry now at the moment, like you have this thing of like, oh, meal plans are shit or meal plans aren't great. You cannot go out and say that statement for, just as a blanket statement. It, it, like, tell, okay, so if you have a client that comes to you and they don't know what a carbohydrate is and you're going to tell them to start tracking their macros tell me how that works. And I'm, I'm absolutely open to being open-minded. Like I'm, I, if there's some type of thing I'm missing here, but like I'm genuinely looking to be open-minded with that. A meal plan is a base, a structure, a stepping stone for which you implement coherence and which you implement the base knowledge of meal composition, um, nutritional knowledge on macronutrients, micronutrients, meal structure, protein distribution, calorie tracking, um, cross-referencing, all this stuff to do with a meal plan. The thing is with like all of these approaches, is that they all have their trade-offs. So, and this is where like you have to play to the client in front of you and which one suits. So like, the, the I suppose before we get into more in a minute, like, I mean, I've definitely, most clients that come to me who have, even if they have a general good level of like nutritional knowledge and nutritional, like even for yourself, when you start, when we started working together, I gave you a meal plan because, mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, we have to start somewhere. 
And then obviously you veered off that and you began like, so like with mo as I'm sure you do yourself, most clients will start in a meal plan because you need to set a baseline assessment and reference point. If you get a client mm -hmm. that comes to you and even if they are currently tracking their macros and if they're current, you, you begin to identify gaps and weak points. And that is that they probably have too much variance, too much variety, um, low level of nutrient density, lack of structure, low protein distribution, and then when you begin to encounter things like massive variance and discrepancies in day-to-day -day calories and macros, you begin to see gaps in terms like, okay, maybe fiber intake is taken a hit, gastric emptying isn't the same, um, blood glucose regulation isn't the same. So like you can get into rabbit holes of how a base of structure and continuum of structure is so important for not only setting a base and assessment for body composition, performance, um, general health markers, but then on top of that, it gives you that ceiling and it gives you that baseline to make further adjustments and gain that data feedback to make movements down the line yeah definitely and i think even for myself my own experience was you said about iafym when i kind of start i would have been the typical bro starting out i didn't really know anything so i stuck i did the chicken broccoli rice all that and i think it was around that time could have been 2007 or something i started seeing this iafym and it was just when i was kind of getting to learn about calories and stuff and i think it was like do you remember matt august and yeah a few other oh, people on youtube the like, shredded, yeah. shredded with their like chipotle and stuff and i was like what is going on here and then <laughs> i started the iifym and i thought it was the best thing ever but you know hindsight now i just didn't have the nutritional knowledge and like i remember doing it for years for a couple of years it could have been and like I got up to one point where my diet was just atrocious. Like I, I just had the, I was the skinny kid who couldn't gain weight. So it was like, I just keep getting increasing calories, more food. And I just wanted to see the scales go up, nothing else. And like, I remember the peak point where I realized I had gone too far. <laughs> I was like, I got up to like 187 pounds. And just for reference, this is years ago. And I'm like 160 something now, usually. Um, and my diet consisted of, it was like near 5,000 calories, but it was literally like, like my breakfast, it was actually a mixture. I was still kind of a bro, but my breakfast was like wheat mix protein shake with pop tarts. As soon as I wake up like five in the morning, I was working at six and the meals during the day were still chicken, rice and broccoli, but I could add a Big Mac to it to get calories yeah. in. And the evening one when was like a 1200 calorie ice cream protein shake. Remember, remember flex balls? Flex balls is basically like you basically just get a bowl of shit and put yogurt on top. And you and suddenly like you had a flex bowl. It was like Reese's Pieces and smart. Put, put in a tiny bit of yogurt and you were sorted. Like. For help. That's yeah. all. Yeah. So I, I had got to a point where I was just eating like from the moment I got up to the moment I went to sleep. No perception of like health, nutrient timing, anything. It was like just hit my macros. And, you know, like I remember my digestion was all over the place. My energy was all over the place all I cared about was gaining weight and I actually just I remember looking at myself in the mirror I'd say if the last 15 pounds of weight gain there wasn't one pound of muscle could even be because I was getting to the point where a set of eight or ten was actually gassing me yeah I remember changing my program specifically down to like three reps because I'm like I can't breathe <laughs> and then I looked at myself I'm like oh my god what am I to do uh, but again hindsight you learn from those things and yeah at least now I'm I wouldn't say I'm against it, but I definitely see, like you said, see the, the holes in it. Yeah. So yeah. you kind of mentioned there with meal plans, a lot of the, I suppose if we want to kind of go through it, some pros and cons to, to each 
kind of method. So if we look at meal plans, what are the main kind of pros that you see that could be valuable for people? Yeah, so I suppose the, the pro of a meal plan is that like what, why it has its application to someone, especially like introductory clients, is because it allows you to implement a, a basis structure so that you're, like you're getting the general most important influential principles of nutrition, which, you know, you can go down into micronutrient density, macronutrient um, density, or macronutrient variants, sorry, that you're hitting good quality food sources. Like, that's the key thing, that you're hitting good quality food sources. Even you could go into things, although it's something that before I changed my perspective on that I didn't think before was a huge thing, which is nutrient timing. It is a huge thing. It's a huge consideration, um, especially for a general population demographic. If, again, if you go down the route of like um, blood glucose regulation, daily energy regulation, and cognition, brain fog, that's where nutrient timing and attention to what you're eating, the composition of those meals and the distribution of those meals help. But the biggest thing is just literacy with um, someone who's coming on board for coaching that allows you to implement the basic structure so that you can take the thinking off them because they can't do the thinking. They don't know. They don't have that base of knowledge and allows you to implement that as a stepping stone which then you can teach them the principles of nutrition and allow them to make more informed, independent, conscious and confident nutrition choices based on the structure that they've gotten. As well as that, it takes the thinking off them in an indirect perspective. Then it allows them to get more consistency with the food. They have it there. It's, it's, they, they know what to do. It's, it's the thought is done for them. It's now just a case of cooking the plate. But that has its trade-offs then. So, I mean, mm. I think that, what, what would you think would be more benefits of it? Or is that, would that be the main just... Yeah, I definitely agree with all that. And I think that's the biggest benefit. You know, I don't think you've ever had a client that came to you and started and you could say to them, you need less structure, less consistency and less routine in your food. That's the yeah. first thing we're going to implement. No, it's it's the opposite. And then like that, a meal plan can really educate the person around portion control, what an actual good quality meal should look like with serving a protein, fruits and vegetables, carb source, fa healthy fats, and essentially it's it's kind of just guidelines of what you typically may eat in a day and how to structure that and i i kind of i think i said this to you it, like you know you see some people that will be like completely against it like nobody should be on a meal plan but i would kind of compare it to training and be like okay why would you not give someone a food plan but give someone a training plan yeah because those people they're giving training plans so what is the the goal with the training plan it's to structure exactly. it's so that they know what they're actually doing, how to perform exercises, how to do them in a certain order, reps, sets, tempo, etc. So the food plan is essentially doing the same thing. You know, what you're trying to do is control certain variables to create a predictable outcome. So why should you say, oh, yeah, follow this training program. You have to do this. You have to overload and log your, your weights. But food plan, no, don't need that. It's like, like, yeah, it's, like, it's like someone coming to you and say, right, you know, okay, I want you to do two chest exercises, one back, one legs, and I'll chat you next week and see how you get on. But like, and arguably with nutrition, you've less, you've more room for error with leniency with, with nutrition because the variables are so on a short time frame that they have so much influence on a shorter time frame, whereas the adaptions of training are more prolonged. So like with nutrition, if arguably the, the necessity for more accuracy in a shorter time frame is needed more rather than training. So like, that's a really good way of putting it is that whole kind of training perspective, like flipping it on its head. And like, so like, so that's like, you give someone, if you did give someone a meal plan and you were programming someone's training. And again, like, for example, you could, when we both coach, even coaches and PTs, you can do that for some population. You can like, look, okay, here's your split. Here's how many per week for volume for this exercise. And here's how I want you to go about it. But that could be that, that you can do that because they have that base of knowledge. The same applies to mm -hmm. just 
their clients in front of you. But meal plans definitely have, I suppose, a negative side. And this is where we see those posts online. And yes, they do have their constraints massively. They do. They're not something long term. They're literally a stepping stone. I think some which I found the negative side of meal plans have been probably the worst terminology to ever come out of the fitness industry. It's one I've done before, I've used before, which is two words, the most detrimental words you'll ever find is on plan on or off plan whatever that means on or off plan and we know like what a client is saying when they refer to that but becoming to becoming like attached to this labeling or terminology or on off plan it it implies that anything off what's written in a pdf in your emails is against the grain of consistency and it doesn't allow you to think to yourself and it implies like Mm -hmm. when you when you see a client label the word off plan it can play a moral association of guilt because they could eat they could be eating something that's still in line with their goals that they enjoy and they're not overshooting their calories and even if they are it takes more than one day of doing any harm of that but because their labeling is off plan they can attach more associated guilt which can imply a feeling of wrongdoing this is where then you just go down the rabbit hole of people um kind of struggling with consistency oh i because i had a meal prepped and i went off plan i felt demoralization association around doing and guilt so i just scrapped it and i'll start again tomorrow but if they, they could have still been within the target it's just they had that labeling on it so i think lacking the ability to think off the cuff and make manipulations because they're implying that label by simply such a rigid boundary has its negative trade-offs i think one other one then that i've always found with um meal plans has been and becoming lazy and becoming too stuck in routine whereby obviously we want some diversity in our diet but like almost relying on the coach as a chef so like being like you know um oh kind of sick of this meal today can I have something else and yeah no worries let me just get Gordon Ramsay out there and we'll, we'll come up with a casserole or something um but like I mean obviously we have to we have to that's our job that's our role to a point mm. like eventually when I'm coaching a client then if they're a few weeks in with me and they've been on a meal plan there will come a point when they say to me look I'm kind of getting tired of this meal can I have something else and I will genuinely say to them yeah okay I want you to come up with a meal and I will work through because that's coaching that's where coaching comes into play I will work through how their understanding of swapping out macronutrients similar food group food composition and coming up with a meal that's roughly the same calories and macros how they can factor that into their day because that's teaching them the independence and confidence to become more self-sufficient over time then yeah and I think that's they're the key and they're kind of I think online that people that are against meal plans they're only looking at those kind of negatives which is I think it is that just that rigid mindset towards it but I think it's the job as a coach as well and this is a big not problem but why people can be so against it is because there's no education or coaching provided with it and there's no adaptability so again like you said it's it's not the pdf isn't the holy grail it's like this is your this is first gear and now as we start driving you move into second and third I'm going to show you how to change the gears and again, create that flexibility, create more, basically you to be more autonomous and be able yeah. to go, oh yeah, I feel like do, having a beef stir fry today instead of a chicken chicken dish or something, you know? And I think that's, they're the, they're the real kind of negatives, but again, they can be worked around with the correct approach. And like you said, knowing no, I think no approach is like forever. And it's not like this is your PDF. When you die, you're bringing the PDF with you, with you, you know? Um, so I think that, and the last one, I think for a lot of people as well with meal plans, they are harder to create than mm, calories. Yeah. Like, you know, for, from a coaching perspective, because, you know, if you're tracking calories, I can just go like, look, what do you weigh? 
And then yeah. you tell your weight. I say, okay, we're going to go 160 protein, about two and a half thousand calories. You get your fats and carbs. I've just signed you on as a client. <laughs> there, you know, there's no work. But that's that's just another thing that I see with it. But I think, yeah, like we think we've done a really good job there of like understanding it. And again, there is no, there's pros and cons to everything. And I suppose just to go on to tracking calories now, what would you kind of see as the, the main kind of benefits or pros with tracking? I mean, the, yeah, so moving on to the opposite side of that, then is the, the track side of things is the biggest benefit of tracking is it allows, I think from a coaching and client perspective, from the client's perspective, it allows more independence and it allows more decision-making and it allows more confidence and nutritional again literacy to put their skills into practice, which are crucial skills long-term because when you're a coach and you finish up with your coach, um, and if you just go off a meal plan and you finish up with your coach, you get results, how are you going to maintain that without that literacy or that knowledge to do that? But I think from a coach's perspective, having even simple things like brand discrepancy and nutritional values, the difference there can be huge. So knowing that brand discrepancy from the brands you have in your database or Nutritics or whatever you use can be absolutely massive. I think um, from a coaching perspective as well, accuracy, just the biggest thing is accuracy because you know what's it, well, well, you hope to know that what's in my fitness pal is everything that was tracked and consumed for us. So you can see and gain insight into how they're coming up with meal structure and how their day is running. And it allows them a lot more freedom of choice. We know from tons of research over many years that flexible dieting has a much more success rate over longer term sustainability of weight loss and weight maintenance rather than um like meal planning and rather than nutrition approach like that they have a higher relapse rate and that's shown like across multiple research over years and we know that but it's where that's taken rip the piss on either end obviously it has its constraints um with tracking calories i think that uh i think that also like what do you do i think what, what else would you see as a benefit there yeah i think that's accuracy is probably the the one i i would go with for for people because it's education as well it's something that I think when done right, like tracking calories and when it's applied at the right time to the right person, it can like really accelerate your knowledge. And like you said, it creates that ownership as well. People can have more control over their food and it creates that more flexibility. So again, if you don't have a meal prepped or if you're out and about or whatever it is, you can still control your nutrition and be quite accurate, especially as you get more and more skilled with it and the longer you do it you kind of know how to navigate nearly all situations which like you said I think that's one of the keys to long-term success and why the flexible dieting approach is so beneficial you know because it does move away from on or off like if you're gone away you're not off your plan you're just away and you just eat food um, and take take into consideration its value you know but yeah i do think it does is there any kind of cons that you see with with tracking or kind of specific problems that you encounter yeah. so, so well, similar to the meal plans i mean again they both they both do have their their negatives their negative size then which it might not be applicable to the client i think with both before we to just the before we touch on the side of the negative tracking both it's overlaying independence is what it all boils down to it's overlaying independence and it's when like if you can't go out for a meal out or if you can't be asked for last minute drinks and work or last minute meal without popping up your your meal plan and pdfs and your emails or without knowing the exact calories of that meal without getting anxiety stress 
panicking, fear, mm. guilt. Mm. Well, then it's time to bridge the gap between health and fitness. I mean, like where where does the, where where does the where does the health come into that? You know, that's yeah. that's that's the fitness industry, and then there's the health and fitness industry. It can be very easy to get consumed into that, and we need to bridge the gap a bit. Um, and that's something I try to huge ingrain with clients is being able to adapt off the cuff to spontaneity mm. in routine. It's one of the most important skills any client can learn. Is okay. You have 500 calories left today. You're asked to go out for dinner last minute and you don't have calories for the dinner. What do you do? Or you go out for, you do have calories left for dinner and you don't know how many calories in it. What do you do? Or your, your, your meal goes off or you're have to, you have to go to a conference and work last minute. How do you approach it? And if you shit yourself and you don't know how to approach that, well, not maybe not literally, but if you if you do panic and if you don't know how to approach that, which you won't, in it, like in, inevitably, no one just automatically knows to approach that. We didn't. Mm. It's a learned skill over time. But how you get that learned skill is through meal plans, is through tracking, is through guessing by eye, is through refined instinct, which is learned through these steps. But that's mm. one of the most important. Like that's the ultimate goal for me in terms of nutrition literacy for a client is being able to think off the cuff, think on their feet with confidence, independence, and still stay in line within their goals. In terms of the tracking side of things, I suppose the con side of that then would be becoming consumed with the quantifiable metrics, like becoming mm-hmm. too obsessed with the quantifiable side of things and the exact numbers and the calories and the macros and any situation or occasion that skews that accuracy, causing that anxiety, stress, or guilt. Um, like for example being having to guesstimate a menu now or something like that i think that's a huge thing that people panic about um i also i think that there's a few like key skill elements that i always find with clients are tracking really really stick out and um, a few that come to mind would be not cross-referencing so like scanning on my fitness pal what comes up and not like cross-referencing the portion size or nutritional value like taking like a big thing as we know with my fitness pal what i like to call is like it's the wikipedia of nutrition anyone can go in and just make a food and you could put in like um, yeah. a bread chicken 40 carbs zero protein and like someone could scan that for the brand and enter mm-hmm. it and put skew the macros for a day so i think a big thing is learning how to cross-reference nutrition accuracy for what you're scanning again that's a learned skill over time that's something i work through with clients and another one then i think is um what i like to call tracking as you go or um not pre-tracking so tracking as you go is like where someone would this is where the whole meal plan has its benefit over tracking because it implements mm. structure i think you can get carried away with the whole tracking side of things and losing structure um and i think that if if you're going throughout the day and you don't know what you're eating for breakfast and you don't know what you're eating for dinner and you're kind of approaching right at the end of the day and you're like right i have 50 grams of protein three grams of fat how am i going to hit that and you're shoveling whey protein down and greek yogurt to beat the band i mean like it, it's where you like i always try to get clients to have a base of structure and pre-plan their food rather than tracking mm. at the or tracking off the cuff yeah i know that's actually the exact same points as me yeah I, I find one i suppose for some people it is difficult to grasp but but like you said it's a learned skill and that's why having someone a coach or somebody to guide you with it like even i'd start with a lot of people who have tracked calories before but they even say that they don't really know what they're doing they just use my fitness path yeah. so but then it does on the other end i think it becomes a crutch for people yeah. and it's hard like i i know a lot of people who struggle if i said like okay we're going to stop tracking no like they're not doing that they're and then you get too focused on the numbers mm-hmm. and everything becomes about hitting these numbers and then you forget about other things like food composition timing how you actually feel and I think that's a big one. You said that, that they get too caught up in metrics and you forget that your body is not a robotic, just yeah, a machine, yeah. you know? And like that, yeah, if it's like, oh, I have 10 grams of protein, I have to go like chop a little bit of a chicken breast. So I get 10, you know, these, these type of things. And I think they're, 
they're the main things I see with it, but it's, it can be, it all, it's, it's all a process, I think. And, you know, it's just one of those things where a lot of time you're going to get it wrong and you're going yeah. to make yeah. mistakes. And it's probably the best thing to do. And you said that, like, I've looked at some people's diaries and you can see straight away. And this is where you mentioned it, even like starting people on meal plans. I would often have someone experienced in tracking, look at their diary and I can see straight away. I'm like, they're not actually that accurate. And also you can see, like you said, inconsistency across the week, yeah. fruit and yeah. veg, fiber, fiber, food choices. And it's like, no, we actually have to go back a couple of steps here to implement certain things, yeah. certain structures that I know will be positive for long-term adherence. Because I think that's the thing. If you just, I definitely done it myself at one point, just got like a reliance on my fitness pal, hit my calories and macros. And yeah, the yeah. thing is, when you don't have a proper structure, and like you said, pre-planning, when you take that away, everything goes to shit. Yeah. Whereas if you have this structure in place, now when you move on and you take away tracking, you still, like I always say to people, you're still doing the exact same thing. Whether I'm yeah. tracking or not, I, I eat the same way. It's just, I'm being a bit more accurate when I have the numbers in front of me. But I have yeah. the experience now over years that, like even when we started with you, I, I hadn't been tracking for God knows how long and, I was like, I'm eating about 3,200 calories. And I put it into my fitness pal. I was yeah, bang yeah. on. I think it was 3,170 or something. You know, and that's, again, that's like a learned skill over time. Yeah. And you mentioned there about pre-planning as well. Like the, this is where I think my fitness pal tracking is accurate, but it also can be inaccurate because like we know there's research before on like even 24-hour recall, how bad yeah. we are. Oh, wow. So like I've done this myself and Eve has actually tested it with me. And I would say I'm, on the higher end of nutritional literacy, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to track what I ate yesterday. Yeah. And she's been there every time. She's like, you also had X, Y, Z. I was like, I actually did. And I would, I, I keep this, that's even me with a structure, but I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot I actually had that coffee or had something, you know? So yeah. I haven't been accurate. So I can imagine someone who's maybe not as skilled or experienced, how far off you could be. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, um it's it's like i mean even for as part of one of the resources that i have a coaching show you similar as well, like i mean i have a 40 minute guided tutorial on my fitness pal like fully going through like the pros the cons like the hidden features what to look out for how to cross-reference how to manually search how to create a meal it's something that like when you start my fitness pal you put in your information all stuff like that it's like oh cool i can put in my food and i can scan it but it's like there's so much more and deeper level to it that like you know and that can overwhelm someone at the start like because i always always say to clients when I get when I'm transit like that transitional phase meal plan to tracking is a huge step for a client and from a behavioral aspect and a um a confidence aspect it's a huge step and I always say to them as you said there you're going to fuck up like don't expect to get this right like you're going to fuck up and that's a great thing because the reason why you fuck up or where you fuck up that's going to allow you to get better over coming weeks and they think that that fuck up can I suppose influence their fat loss or their progress and if anything it just accelerates it down the line and because you will eventually bottleneck and, and, and exhaust the tool which meal plans are and they will run they will become more monotonous and they will become boring and that's where that's where like the, the risk for complacency with meal plans is higher now the risk for both complacency of both is high but with meal plans it's higher because the monotony of the same food all the time and um, can lead to gaps and picking and stuff and that's where your weekly average of calories gets tipped up and up and that's where fat loss stalls and we begin to see these gaps then yeah no definitely and i think Something that I, I don't know, actually, did I hear it or made it up myself is this 
what I call is like a, and you've mentioned it about like starting in meal plans and moving on is I like to look at it like a continuum. So like on the far left, you have your rigid meal plan. And on the far right, you have your say IIFYM. So really flexible. I think what happens sometimes with a lot of people is they spend, and then in the middle is this balance in between the two. So what happens with a lot of people is they spend more time in the extremes. So they're either, and this is where they're on or off, all or nothing. They're either really rigid. When they're not rigid, goes completely to the other end. Whereas what I like to do is look at look at it like a spectrum and say, okay, where am I on this spectrum of like rigid, rigid to flexible? Yeah. Where do I need to be? Yeah. And, you know, over time as well, it can move. So it doesn't have to be. So for me, for example, I'm well, four weeks out from a photo shoot, but I kind of live in that middle part where I'm fairly flexible, but there is still variety structure in it. Yeah. Closer I'm getting to the shoot now, I'm moving a bit more to that rigid yeah, style. Exactly. Yeah. But again, I'm doing it for a short period of time. And I'm also doing it because it's actually less stressful for me. Exactly. I don't want to look at my fitness pal and say, how can I fit X, Y? I just want to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the next few weeks. And like, as we move out of it or calories get higher, I will kind of move along that spectrum again, back to more flexibility. And I think the key is understanding your goals, your knowledge, where you are right now and where you are on that spectrum. And is it, if it's working, you know, continue to work it, continue to do it without going too extreme. Because I, I definitely find just even clients, if you go too flexible, stuff starts to go everywhere inconsistencies come if you're too rigid you just it's not sustainable so it's about finding that balance for the person yeah i always, do, I always like that 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 i suppose analogy you use there of like the the continuum i mean i always i i have a similar way of looking at that and i look at like you know black or white you know it's all or nothing black or white but as far as i know and i've never worked in julux, julux or anything but if you mix black and white you get gray so I think that that gray area is where most people need to spend their time is in the middle is the gray area. I think the gray area is people where people fear. And I think it's where people, I think it's the gray areas where people feel like they get, it's going to most influence their progress in a negative way, but it's the best place to be for progress over time because you can sway mm. between the two. Um, whereas if you're all black and you're all on it, you've no flexibility, you've no lean, no, you're, you're bound down by rigidity. But if you're all white, you've too much flexibility, you've no accuracy. So the more that you push accuracy, and the more you push flexibility, you've less structure, you've less consistency. The more you push consistency, the more you push structure, you've less flexibility, you've less adherence. So they both have their constraints on either end. The more they have an inverse relationship, the more you push one, it will bottleneck the other. And that's where we're like meeting in the middle and striking the balance in the two as a tool to your process will allow you to accelerate further over time and develop less stress, more sustainability. And all times, I'm going to say most times, all times more success with fat loss, muscle gain, whatever the approach may be. Hmm. I really like that because I, and I think that's where like good coaching can come in because you can identify that with, within the individual and you can kind of maybe even see if they are going too far to one side. And that's where you like make those little changes to be whatever more consistent or more flexible, whatever you need at that yeah. time. Yeah. And I think last thing you kind of said this, and this is where I think like with applications, I actually think it's been, a, it's a positive thing to go through all of these over yeah. time. And I would actually look at it like this kind of, levels um so like i would have your rigid meal plan at the bottom which is again could be applied for some people again to have absolutely no knowledge or if it's just a short period of time maybe for end of a dieting phase and then you'd move up your level to maybe that flexible meal plan where you teach people how to swap in and out foods how to kind of add variety how to kind of change things if needed depending on the situation 
then you can move up to tracking calories where you might just look at calories and protein and then moving up to tracking fully um and then you kind of go on again to i'm not going to call it intuitive eating I, I call it structured eating so it's where you're not using a meal plan but you're not following macros but you're yeah. just keeping to a structure and you're taking all the knowledge and everything you got from the levels below and you can apply it and that's where i find myself like long term that's where i i live uh yeah. bar like some periods of time now like i'm tracking because i'm want a certain outcome but that's where I would try to get through get to and that's where I I don't want want to get into intuitive eating but I find if if people aren't following a meal plan or aren't tracking macros for some reason people tend to go okay we're intuitively eating now well you're not at all like I'm struck there's a structure I'm not intuitively having that croissant that I look at when I'm getting my morning coffee that I maybe intuitively would like but you know I'm not I'm following the structure um so yeah but that kind of would you agree with that sort of yeah like i mean in one thing i do for clients as well based on that is like i mean i might start them on a meal plan they would get a baseline assessment with how they adapt the calories macros food structure protein distribution calorie distribution the whole lot still like get a baseline set of like you simple things like optimizing digestion with a higher fiber intake that distributed throughout the day with good food sources and diversity in fat sources and good quality fats or all that good stuff that we all look for in when we're composing nutritional and then from there what i might do is i might eventually transition into tracking their own calories macros with the base of the meal plan as a structure so i'll get them to track their own brands and calorie their own brands are using but i'll get them to eat the exact same but track their own brands just to get that literacy going develop the skills and knowledge and tools to get going with my fitness pal eventually what i will some get to, what this is what i do with all clients when i when i see that they're tracking macros they have that independence and they're getting on fine but then I begin to notice gaps like, okay, some days are a bit low. Some days are a bit high. They're getting into this bad habit of trying to bank too much. That's a topic for another day, but they're getting into that habit and they're getting into just losing structure. What I will then do is if, if they push it too far to the other side, what I'll then do is I'll actually get them to make their own meal plan on my fitness pal. So, and this, this sounds like, could be sounds like lazy coaching. If anything, like it actually gives me more work to do because I could very easily say to them, here's another meal plan, follow this. But what I do is I say, right, I want you to come up with a meal plan. I want you to generate meals that are, you know, practical, convenient, relative to your daily structure, foods that you enjoy that are portable relative to your work environment that you can bring with you and specific to your preferences and needs. And I want you to come up with that. And I'm going to overview it and we're going to go through to see if it suits so that I know that they're going into the week. They're not leaving it off the chance and off the cuff because especially when like work gets stressful, the kids are sick, you know, stuff like that comes up. Going off the cover tracking definitely has its bad sides. And I think it, it allows for that more autonomy with that. It can be a negative. So having that base structure, that's where it has application. So that's where transitioning again between the two, I will get them to do the thinking. So I know that they, they're applying their nutritional literacy, they're applying their skills and knowledge, and they're developing structure, but I'm overviewing it to make sure the main principles are there and identifying any gaps. So I did this last week and um, he was tracking cashews at like 13th of a gram of cashews or something you know where he was actually having i think like 15 grams so when we tweak that you know his calorie average like mass you could week obviously from the calorie density of cashews simple things like that that you're just looking for and that's where by that coaching i can come into it then um yeah, yeah i think that like that's where but you could you, you know have to play either side of it and it's a it's a stepping stone to reach one and then you maybe you can spend time dropping back a few steps not as a regression but as a progression when needed and then going back up and going back down delving in between that spectrum yeah definitely I, I that's we take pretty similar approaches with it and i think we started at the, the start of this podcast asking the question what's the best approach and yeah. i think the answer is there isn't it's not. No, so we just not. ruined we just spent the whole podcast not answering the question that we asked 
that's the key you reel them in <laughs> yeah. so yeah is do you have any kind of final thoughts or anything uh here before we wrap up just on that i know there's there's a ton in that um but i yeah. think hopefully it was very practical and laid out in a way that was kind of understandable for everybody yeah i think you like from the i think to the, the key thing the key thing here is to just um contextual thinking and open-mindedness you know we like we can't go down the route of just saying meal plans are shit we can't do meal plans because nine, mo- most of the time the people that are saying you know meal plans are shit they probably had a bad experience at meal plan and maybe they like they they want to it's it's a bit of a marketing ploy do you know it's kind of like oh meal plans are shit i'll teach you how to change your life and track macros straight out of the way okay like if and they might they might be a lot better coach as me but if they're taking a client who doesn't know what a carbohydrate is or you know they simply had no idea on nutritional literacy and are getting them to track their calories macros independence and confidence in a few weeks Jesus, I want to know that method straight away because that is a difficult thing to do and that takes time. And then we can't go to the opposite side and we just say, oh, you can just track your macros and you can, you know, like, because no, because most people need that structure and they need that stepping stone. And then from a coach's perspective, it's about, I suppose, identifying the most important thing always, the training, nutrition, lifestyle and getting someone is where are they at now? So meet them where they're at. Don't give them a means to achieving an outcome. Meet them where they're at. Scale your principles, scale your application of your tools and apply it to them and then, regress or progress that over time depending on the outcome and where you're at as you go through the continuous process yeah that's the way i like to look at it like a toolbox and like they're all tools in your toolbox like i have no attachment to any approach or any tool i just want to use the best tool to do the job for that individual in front of me yeah and the more tools we can have in the toolbox the better and the more we get experience with that it's i I believe you'd be a better coach and it'll create better long-term results for the yeah. client as well yeah yeah so look i i sprung the the question on you last time about what gives what gives you the ick um i didn't actually have an answer for it but i okay. actually have i have one now uh it's actually no it's eve has this ick which i think is funny is uh egg porn she can't handle it egg porn <laughs> do you ever you know on instagram when people take videos of them cutting their eggs Oh yeah, I was like, geez, I got a really, I don't know what was going on there. I was like, I was like what the fuck? I was like, this is the way we're going to finish up. Yeah, we'll just wrap up the podcast there. See you later. Good luck, good night. No, but yeah, egg porn. I, I thought it was called yolk porn. Is it? Oh, I'm, I'm not an expert on it now. If we type either into the internet, we just see what comes up before we see what comes up first. I'm very um, afraid. Yeah, no, but I, I, that's where they like to have the eggs benedict and they slowly put the fork through it and like the runny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very good so yeah another one for me though is you know the the sayings on on instagram things like we move things like that that gives me the ick but what's yeah. worse is i say them then as well which <laughs> makes me which knowing that it gives me the ick i give it to myself because i'm like oh <laughs> those things i have one more i have one more actually that I, I literally just came to mind is i know this might this might like this always has been one one for me is people who are literally religiously obsessed with the show friends i don't i've never laughed at an episode of friends in my life and i like when i would join you what you want like it's like a cult people who watch friends it's like oh have you seen that episode of friends no i fucking haven't because it's not a funny show and i never will watch it and like why are you laughing at it it's not funny like it is always those people who are like remember that episode of friends where ross put the zambrero on i have no idea what they're on about and like that it, i just never laughed at the show i just don't think it's funny and like people get obsessed and like and they get so like but hurt when you say like friends isn't a funny show i just don't think it's funny 
Yeah, I've seen it, but I don't get through half the references because I don't remember anything that's happened. I, I can barely remember the names of the characters. So yeah, I'm I'm probably with you on that one. Yeah. But last one is people that put up their morning sea dips give me the so <laughs> I was looking there, I was like, I was like, what? I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they're uh, assholes. When you, when you can do it, Marave, I'd be putting up every day as well. <laughs> Not as good down in Myrtleville, you see. Yeah. Cork, that's the coldest dip I ever done was, where is it? Clannacilty. Beach up that. And do you, get, do you get in and go for a swim or is it just like, just dip and come back out? Oh, I get, I started, I actually hate cold water. I started by just getting in and out, but now I, I keep under for like, 90 seconds usually depending on how cold i try i've done like three minutes of keeping not not my no i don't mean like fully under the water but yeah, my yeah. shoulders under it because i didn't realize it doesn't it's not too bad but once you actually submerge yourself and stay there it gets that gets way worse and then we probably come out it's, it's a nice speed when you come back out because you feel class for the day then yeah i can't it's one of those things you have to do it like because i hate it the reason why i absolutely hate cold water always did my whole life and i was like since I've started it, I've gotten better. Uh, I still don't like, yeah, I still go, as I go down, I'm like, why am I, why am I actually doing this with my life? But it's the feeling after when I get out, it's yeah. like, yeah. you just feel like a new person. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, good, good progress on nutrition literacy and X all in, all in my. <laughs> and yeah, egg porn, the question here, actually, we want answered is, is it yolk porn or egg porn? I, I thought it was your porn, but again, like I, I wouldn't go adventurous typing that into Google because you don't know what I'm there. Luke, thanks a million for, for joining me today. And it's been a pleasure as always. I'm sure we will be having you back very soon. I know we've talked about another couple of uh, really interesting topics that we want to dig into. Yes, so yes. guys, what look firstly, uh well, firstly, lastly, where can where can the guys find you if they want to know more? Um, so website is www.ihcoaching.ie and Instagram is uh, Luca Madior at, uh, at I underscore am underscore long. Very awkward name, but yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'll leave them in the show notes anyway, so they can copy and paste it. You don't need to, don't need to try and pronounce it. But um, guys, if you did get some value from that, would hugely appreciate it if you could share, like, comment, do all, do all that good stuff. Because again, the more people we can reach, the more we can find out about egg and yolk porn. So that's really <laughs> yeah. my, my goal of the rest of this season is to, to answer that question. But, yeah. <laughs> but guys, thanks for joining. We will speak to you in the next episode.